Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat. Welcome back, my friends, to the BJJ Brick Podcast, episode 35. This is Byron, and I'm here with Gary. What's up, Gary? Hey, doing great. How's everybody doing today? I hope they're all doing good. We've got, I think, a really good resource for people um, in the jiu-jitsu community today, and uh, I think it's going to help some people. And if, it if Maybe it won't help you today, but it might help you tomorrow. Um, basically, I'm talking about um, this episode. We've interviewed uh, many people and they're talking about overcoming injuries that they've had. That's the big thing is, you know, a resource to help each other out when somebody's hurt. You know, what did this person do? You know, maybe I can take something from that person and, uh, you know, get myself rehab quicker so I can get back on the mats. Yep, and you know what to expect. Gary, I'm going to um, – I've never had – I've been training, I think, uh, about 12 years now. I've never had a serious injury where I had to have surgery. So um, – I'm, I'm fortunate, but I don't think that's a rare thing. I think, you know, listen to all these stories that we've talked to people. It's a little, it's not maybe a little bit down, but it's you realize that some of these injuries are pretty serious. Oh yeah, and, but but they're, they're not. Kinda, these are some extreme cases that we have. I think. Yeah, I'm the same boat. I've been t- training 12 years, and I haven't had surgery. And I can think of probably most of my training partners haven't had surgeries for injuries. I mean, there's still a lot who have had surgeries, but. You know, it's just like any other sport. If I was playing basketball, I'd probably break my ankle at some point. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've had friends who play softball break their ankle. It's it's going to happen. It's you know, we could just sit around on a in a chair and watch TV all day, and you know, we might hurt our back. Uh, you know, just because of no exercise, but or hurt our heart. Yeah, that's right. You know, I guess that's you know, no matter if we anything you're going to do active, you've got a chance to get hurt. But and bumps and bruises think, are common. Yeah. You know, and if we train safe, train smart, you know, we're probably not going to end up in a hospital. And we don't want to end up in a hospital. Uh, we don't want to end up hurt, but the resources are available for us if something does happen. Yeah. So this episode is really geared at, um, you know, maybe you did get hurt and, you, and you've and researched this and you find you, you found this episode. How, how am I going to get over my, my uh, ACL surgery or how, how am I going to do after this um, my neck surgery or something like that and then so you get to hear some stories from people that went through which you might just be going through same thing maybe you have a teammate that's that's going to be out for a little while with something on their shoulder or you know something some other injury that we might be able to help you out with so you know what your teammates going through and you know how to help them um, and you know how long they should be away from the mat and you can give them a call after if, they're, they're, if they don't show up <laughs> get them back on and another Another great part is these are just everyday people. Um, we're not talking to the most famous jiu-jitsu and MMA fighters in the world. You know, we're, we actually post on Facebook, hey, if anybody's had a, you know, a injury in jiu-jitsu, you know, give us a call, give us an email. And uh, so these are, you know, you and me, everyday people, our listeners of the show. And, uh, you know, we appreciate everybody who took the time out to uh, uh, call in and uh, talk to us about it. Yep, they really stepped up big and, and they... They made this show what it is. I think it's going to be a valuable resource, and this is a two-part, I guess, show. Next week we're going to have uh, basically more stories, um, different stories obviously, but part two to this. So we, we had such a huge response, and, and we had so many great opportunities and stories that people wanted to share that we didn't want to, to lose any of these. So big thanks to everybody who shared. Yes, definitely. Thank you. So, Gary, good news. 
What's the good news? Our sponsor, <laughs> Fujisports.com, is giving away um, one of their new rash cards. And I tell you, uh, I know you've probably looked on the page and seen our seen the Fuji rash cards, but the Robo rash card, uh, basically I got it in the mail the other day, and uh, I'm loving it. It's an incredible rash card. I love it. Yeah, Gary, you know, we did, so far we've done, um, so, so, so you know this contest for the giveaway, um, go to Facebook and, and like either the show or like the picture of the of the rash cards or share it or however you do that, that'll enter you into to the competi- to the to the drawing. If you don't have Facebook, you could uh, do the same on Twitter or um, just go to the, the website and, and put a comment in the, the notes and, and that'll enter you in automatically. But, um, so far, it seems like uh, the Robo Rash Guard is uh, a little bit more um, re- well received by the audience. They seem that everybody wants that wants that Robo Rash Guard, Gary. I tell you, I really like it. It's uh, you know, it looks like a coat of armor on top of you. You know, with abs and uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I feel like I'm a better grappler wearing it. <laughs> I don't know a little if bit that stronger, translates, but that's what I feel like. Yeah, well, and so that's not the only option for what they could win. They could also win the Moco, which is which a, is also an awesome rash guard. It's a tiger themed rash guard, and it's um, it's, it's very artistic. And so I'm just going to remind everybody who who has already said that they want the the Robo. You, you know, you don't decide until um, until you until you've won, and then I'll ask you what you want. But um, tigers. Always go for the neck. So that's just a little reminder, guys. Um, so I, I'm, I've been supporting the Tiger Rash Card, and, and I've got a lot of compliments on it already, and I appreciate those. And and uh, I've well, been going I'm for some necks. Kind of glad I didn't uh, get to roll with you this morning. You know, uh, I may have been choked out by uh, the guy in the Moku Rash Guard, the Tiger Rash Guard. So uh, I kind of got lucky. Yep you uh, you roboted away from me. You know, but, I, I dodged uh, you. <laughs> And I would expect anybody who's going to wear the robot to be able to do, uh, to be able to do the robot dance as good as Gary can or better. So oh, I consider you, the people haven't seen me dance, and there's a reason for that. <laughs> consider the uh, the Moco. It's a it's a beautiful rash guard. It's got some a really cool uh, tiger design, and it you know I I don't know for sure, but I think my my chokes have gone up ten percent, Gary. <laughs> hey, if you can move your chokes ten percent, you can't go wrong. It's hard to but. actually quantify that with the statistics, but I'm pretty sure it's it's above nine. <laughs> well, he he has been going to the uh, kids class lately, so uh, I can see it might have went up a little bit. Yeah, I guess maybe uh, you know the t- tigers are big on picking you know the right prey. They don't want to pick the most. Uh, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> you know, they, uh, all the big they cats look for the injured, the small, the weak. <laughs> But no, in all serious, these two rash guards are great. Uh, like Byron said, the Moku, uh, the Tiger rash guard is the artistic rash guard, as we like to call it, and the, the Robo is is green. Uh, it's basically uh, like a robot with uh, you know the abs and the muscles and the pecs. Uh, so each one, you know, very, both are very unique and both are are very great rash guards. Yep, you can wear them. It's good for the summer, you know, no gi and. Uh, if you want to wear a rash guard underneath your gi, it, it works fine for that too as well. So check and, them out, guys, uh, and you could win one. Yeah, yeah, definitely check them out. Uh, share, you know, like our page, share, comment. Uh, that'll get you uh, in the drawing to to win uh, the rash card from Fuji Sports. Gary, I've got a quote of the week for you. Let's hear the quote. 
There's no elevators to, to success. You have to take the stairs. So pretty simple one there. We didn't we didn't want to have a real long one today because we've got such a, a great show. We didn't want anything to stand in the way. But you've got to take the stairs to success. Oh yeah, simple. It's you got to work work. hard. There's no there's no shortcut. Um, you know what that quote makes me think about though is everybody who goes to the gym to work out, and I see them driving around the parking lot looking for that front space. <laughs> you know, that's kind of what that reminds me of. Yeah. Uh, you know, I go to the gym, I try to park at the back so I don't have to worry, you know, about looking for a parking space. And I, I treat the walk-in as my warm-up, you know, as part of my warm-up there. And cool to get the blood flowing. So uh, I'm there to work out, not to uh, find the closest parking space. And quite literally, if you, you know, if you work in a tall building or even a couple of flights of stairs, that's a, that's a common way to, to start the day is to, to walk, to take the stairs. I used so. to work in a building and I worked on the seventh floor. And I guarantee you, I was the only one out of about 150 people on the seventh floor that took the stairs up and down every day. I would never use the elevator. I just took the stairs. That's because one time Gary was attacked in the elevator by a robot or maybe a guy wearing a robot rash guard, and, and he's uh, and new with it no more. And I still have that phobia. <laughs> but um, in all seriousness, if you want success, you've got to take the stairs. You've got to work hard for it. Um, even if even if you're handed some pretty big advantages in life, you you can't sit on those and expect uh, a long-term success. You've got to take the stairs, guys. That is true. All right, article of the week. That music is what that's queuing in. And we've got an article uh, from uh, Stephen Whittier. Uh, we've talked to uh, talked to him before, uh, so definitely check out his uh, podcast, his website, forty uh, plus bjjlive.com. But the article is. Uh, uh, entitled uh, Separation Anxiety, How to Instantly Approve Your Guard Game, and it, it came out on May 28th. And, uh, yeah, Stephen was on uh, on the episode 29. Um, so are you, is this, like, uh, about being nervous if people are going to leave you, or what's the – how's this going to improve my guard game? not about nervous, you know, not about competition, anxiety, you know, or somebody leaving you. It's basically uh, – how to instantly improve your guard game. You know, the title got me a, a little bit, you know, right off the bat when I saw the first part, Separation Anxiety. Um, but, you know, the, the basic premise is you've got to be connected um, with your opponent. Uh, you've got to, uh, uh, you know, if, if your opponent separates from you, there's a good chance you're going to pass your guard. Yeah, and then keeping... He mentions those five steps in the middle of the article. We'll put a link to the article in the notes, guys, so you can check it out. Um, you know, keep your knees between you and your opponent, or maybe even your or your legs between you and your opponent, and maybe your knees to your chest, depending on which kind of guard you're working on. Um, your grips are huge. You have to fight um, for your grips and also deny those key grips on the opponent. So, And then, you know, yeah, that's a big key right there. And then, you know, step three, you know, he's got down there foot position. And the big thing is where your feet go, you know, there's pressure. If I've got a, my foot in one of your hips, you know, I can sweep, create pressure that way. So uh, that's a big key right there. Yeah, and another tip he gives is your angles. Um, you know, in order to get something to happen from your guard, you've got to create an angle pretty much every time. So, um, you know, in, in using those feet, you know, to put the pressure and to help you move your own body, create those angles so you can start, start your attack or your sweep or whatever you're doing. Yeah, and that's huge, like you said, to start your attack. You know, number five he puts down is offensive pressures. And I think that's the one that helps me out. Um, you know, I've got to look to sweep, submit, you know, stand. 
what happens, you know, if, if I'm just sitting there trying to keep you from passing my guard, not threatening you at all, even if I've got, you know, the good grips and good angles, but I'm not trying to do anything proactive to get me out of that position, I'm going to get past sooner or later. So I've got to threaten with sweeps. I've got to threaten with submissions, uh, try to stand up if I can, anything of that sort um, to help me from keep getting past. Yep. It was a great article by our friend Stephen Whittier. It's on his website, 40, the number 40, and then plus, not the symbol, but the word, <laughs> 40plusbjjlive.com. And I'll put a link to that. And if you uh, enjoy the article, definitely check out his episode with us. He, I mean, the episode is great for any grappler, but he really focuses on helping the older grapplers um, have success and, and longevity on the mats. So it's a great, great interview that we had with Steven. So happy and to have I can tell you, you know, me being a little bit older grappler, I've used his advice. I've... I've been checking his articles and, you know, websites and videos out for a long time. So great stuff there by uh, Stephen Whittier. So check it out. All right. Today we have a lot of little clips, I guess is one way to say that, um, of, of people from the jiu-jitsu community sharing their stories and, and, you know, opening up their lives to us. And, and that way they could maybe help you out or maybe help out one of your teammates. So uh, <clears throat> just kind of, kind of sit along for these stories that we're going to have and, and if one of these might affect you, or, or maybe you've gone through the same thing, or, or you're going through the same thing now, you know, you'll it'll help you out. We're probably we're just going to roll these um, from one to the other, and uh, and not come back in between. We'll come back at the end, obviously. But we're going to start off talking to Devin about a uh, time he hurt his neck. He thought it was a shoulder injury, and he had a pretty gnarly uh, neck injury. And we'll talk with Michael a little bit about his uh, torn shoulder he suffered. After we talk to Michael, we'll move on to Mike. Um, he's going to share with us a story of when he got ringworm, and it wasn't your typical case of ringworm that he got hit with. After Mike uh, move on to Jim, he's going to share a story about his back injury. He hurt his back uh, about 25 years ago, and um, or 25 years earlier to actually realizing it, and then when it came back, it really hit him pretty hard. Then uh, we're going to move on to the knee. Uh, Ariel talks about her knee surgery she had, and so does Dusty Grant. So that'll wrap up this set, this uh, first of the series of our injury stories from the listeners. Hey guys, we have Devin on the line with us today. He's going to share a story about his neck injury that he had. How are, how are you doing today, Devin? I'm doing great, guys. Uh, it's been a good morning so far. Doing great. Yeah, we really appreciate you taking a little bit of time to uh, you know talk to us uh, today. Um, so thank you. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I'm glad I can share my story. I hope it helps somebody. I'm sure it will. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you train, and, and uh, how long you've been training, and things like that? Yeah, uh, I'm a purple belt under Dustin Dennis, but I uh, I train with a variety of people here in Kansas. I'm from Kansas City, Missouri. I train in Kansas City, Missouri. My, my gym's here. I train uh, a lot with Jason Bircher, KCBJJ. I, I cross-train with him quite a bit, Travis Conley, um, Ethan Day. Those are, those are kind of my main guys, my main instructors. I'm under Dustin Dennis. Uh, and I try to cross train as, as much as I can. So, both from Kansas City. Cool. Yeah, we we both know Jason very well, and we've definitely uh, had some tough roles with him, and uh, ended up in a lot of guillotines. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a that's a Jason Bircher signature right there. His guillotine's pretty nasty. Yep, definitely. Um, okay, uh, uh, Devin, tell us tell us a little bit about your injury. Like what happened, uh, and just go from there. Okay, uh, I'll start at the beginning where I believe I first had hurt my neck. Um, I was 
I believe my junior year in high school, uh, I was cutting weight. I was pretty depleted, and I was wrestling off of varsity. Um, it was a pretty big weight cut for me. I was cutting throughout the season, so finally got down to 215, and I wrestled off, and I got picked up and launched uh, off a single leg, and just I didn't have the energy to defend, and I landed on my shoulder and my neck. But at the time, and most of the time, I just thought it was my shoulder that was hurting. I had no clue it had anything to do with my neck. I believe at that time I had bulged a disc. No MRI to prove anything, but in hindsight, I believe that's where the neck injury happened. Uh, I took, I rested, got healthy. I was young. I came back pretty quick. You know, three years later, I started training jiu-jitsu right after that. Three years later, I'm a blue belt, just got my blue belt in 2009, and I take a trip to uh, South Florida to train with some some pretty big names. I, I started at I got smoked by Luigi Floravanti down there, one of their guys, and this is with Dustin, my instructor, Dustin, and he's taking me everywhere. I went and trained at Wagner, with Wagner Rocha, with Cyborg, Roberto Abreu, um, Pablo Popovich, those guys, and as everybody knows in BJJ, guys are monsters and it was not yeah. and not a good time i got beat up by everybody down there they're all and it was it was all healthy you know it was good I, it was a great learning experience but i was definitely had dealing with some pretty good shoulder pain at the time and i had no clue that had anything to do with my neck um so i continued to train i continued to push through you know queens if, if anybody knows clean clean is my instructor's nickname um if anybody knows him or heard anything about him he's pretty very, very intense individual and very, uh, he's a little on the crazy side. And I have not a guy that I, I wanted to disappoint. I wanted to show that I was tough. You know, I, I show him that I could push through this kind of stuff. And, and I was young, 21, and I thought it was just something that'll go away. So continue to push through until my last day. And on the very last day, I, after training, and we were training hard at Marcel Fierres, I believe, um, I just I couldn't lift my, my my right arm anymore, and it was a very intense pain going down my shoulder into my right arm. And at, still at the time, I didn't know it had anything to do with my neck. So the plane ride home was I got on a plane immediately after the training session. I had to sit against the wall, shoving my shoulder into the wall because that's the only thing that would take the pain away from my shoulder. Oh man! Uh, yeah, it was it was it was pretty intense. I took I like as the the. The flight attendants were asking if there was doctors on the flight because, I mean, it takes a lot. I like to think that it takes a lot to, to make me cry. And I'll tell you, I was in I was some pretty big tears on the plane. It was, just, like I said, I thought right. it was my shoulder because that's, that's where the pain was deriving from, where the, where the nerve was pinched. But at the same time, I didn't know what nerve pain felt like, but it was very intense. So this is where it gets kind of crazy. Uh, I come back home. I... Just kind of rest for a week. I even had to take a couple of days off work, and uh, but I get back to training because again I don't know it has anything to do with my neck at the point. Um, then even the next weekend I had guys drawing triangles on my neck because I thought it was my shoulder. I just didn't use my right arm. I just let oh, everybody. Man. Yeah, it was it was a bad situation. And next six months, the next six months I trained and tried to prepare for the world in 2009. Until this is got pretty serious, I lost I lost all the muscle muscle from from atrophy from nerve from nerve damage that I had no clue that was happening. Okay. And my right my right pec. Oh boy. My right my right tricep my right forearm and I was starting to get to the point where I couldn't feel my index finger on my right hand and that's when I started. I was like, 
this is more than what I what I think it is. And I have guys in the gym that's gone through this, but it wasn't neck. They said it was a stinger. They said it was, yeah. and they always and they kept referring referring to that word a stinger. And I was like, okay, it'll go away. It just it never went away. So after, like, I would take my shirt off. And it would look like I was two different people. My left side, I had a pec, I had a tricep, I had, you know, a forearm. On my right side, I looked like I had, like, I guess for a lack of a better term, I had, like, a, a boob because my muscle was completely gone. It kind of just sunk down. Uh, my tricep, I, I couldn't flex my tricep. It was not there. It was non-existent. My forearm, it was completely, like, there was no muscle to my forearm, and I couldn't oh, feel man. my finger. So I go to get an MRI in June of 2009 so this is six i hurt my neck in january 2009 six months later in june 2009 i finally go get an mri my mom talks me into it um and we realized that i have a complete just complete nasty herniation at c5 c6 level it's it's compressing my nerve totally and this is what derived the whole nerve problem why my shoulder hurt this whole time so actually had nothing to do with my shoulder it had been my neck that had been hurt the whole time my spine was just out of whack, C5, C6, just so completely happened, blown up. You believe that happened when you were in your junior year in high school? I believe I, I, I had started the bulge in the disc my junior year because I would have, like, little symptoms. Every now and then, I would something in my neck, and I would have a little nerve pain, but I just never knew what that was. I, and it would go away. It would take a week, and it would go away. Yeah, and, and how, long, thought, how long from that point in, in your junior year in high school to where you had it, to where you knew what it was? Uh, that was actually, I was battling that for about my junior year in high school, 2005, 2006. Yeah, 2005. So it was four years of off and on with a little, like I thought, what we call with stinger pain until my disc finally had completely just blew out and herniated completely and in my it, neck. And then Devin, it really didn't, you, you kept getting the, the pains every now and then through 2005 to 2009, but then you said early 2009 when you went down to uh, Florida and trained with Popovich and all them. That's when it really, really started hitting. Is that correct? That's when it. That's when I believe. That's when it finally herniated. Yeah, okay. I, I think it was bullshit in high school, and I think it, it finally herniated in in 2009 because that was the most consistent pain, and that was it was like the pain from 2005 to 2009 was nothing compared to what I felt day forward yeah. it was completely different i never had tingling down my arm i just had a little shoulder pain and it, was, it would make my neck stiff when i heard it in high school and then after it herniated that's when i started losing my muscle i started losing range of motion i couldn't use my i started to where i couldn't use my right arm anymore at all oh. by the time i had found my neck was hurt so now you, you got the mri and and they said a complete herniation of uh, c5 c6 what what happened next? Did did you was there any surgery? Did you re like or I'll let you just tell me go from there. Like, yeah, uh, and here comes the crazy battle back. Uh, so that this is June two thousand nine that I find out that it's terminated. And the first thing, the first thing the doctor has the nerve, and I know doctors, you know they they got to be on the safe side. But the doctor with a almost with a smile on his face, and it kind of broke my heart and kind of made me get a little crazy. Was he smiled and like, oh yeah, it's completely herniated. Whatever you're doing, you'll never do again. The doctor straight up and says that to my face. The first thing I hear after I yeah. is the doctor turns and says, hey, man, you'll never do what you're doing again. And this is my life. You know, I, I have a whole another backstory to tell about this. But jujitsu is my life. I need jujitsu in my life. And from that point, on, I, it, I, it was almost a mission to, to prove this doctor wrong. 
That's awesome. So it's kind of like fuel to my flame. Um, so this happens throughout the next six months. I go through a series of cortisone shots. I get two, and they're, they're a needle, a big needle that goes straight into the disc. I had two go through the back of my neck and one through the front. Ooh. And those helped zero. They didn't shrink the disc. They didn't help the pain at all. They just put me in more pain because of how bad it, it sucked to have something shoved in your neck like that. Um, I go through probably three months of rehab with zero. I'm having zero results. I'm down in the dumps. I don't, I don't know what to do. I'm having some serious, like, life issues with this, you know. My, yeah. my relationships were starting to fail at that time. I just was being a very different person than what I should have been. Uh, and then, you know, the final option, after trying, I literally tried everything in the book, everything you could do, massage therapy, the cortisone shots, the rehab. You know, we decided, you know, even at 21, it was kind of a big deal. We decided to have neck surgery in December. We set it up in November, and come December, I think December 1st of that year. So I hurt my neck in January of that year. In December, beginning of December, I have neck surgery. And my options were to, to put a metal plate in there, which would not be a great option for jiu-jitsu because there'd be no flexibility, or try a procedure to where they go through the back of my neck and just try to cut out the herniation drill a hole in the disc and let it try to regenerate itself. So I, I chose the second option. It was a pretty big, it took, it's probably eight hour operation. Um, it was a very scary thing to go through. I couldn't move for very much after, after I got out of surgery, but I always kept my spirits high. I always kept positive thoughts and I, and you know, and I always gave myself a chance to make it out, even though at that point I realized it was a very tough hill to climb. And also at the time, my instructor, Dustin Dennis, he, he was very support. He's very crazy. He still wanted me to train. I did a lot of specifics with my left arm. I never really got off the mat. You know, I couldn't train. I couldn't do too much. I couldn't compete. But he always made me do something with my left hand to kind of keep my mental, my mind mentally in the game, so I wouldn't lose focus uh, completely of jujitsu. So I have the surgery, uh, pretty big operation, and I'm pretty much in bed rest for a month and a half. You know from December 1st to January, mid-January. I don't really do too much. Uh, come around March time, I've been resting. Everything's been feeling okay. I actually start getting my nerve, my muscle starts coming back a little bit, and I start training. I actually start training three months later. Uh, not completely 100%, but yeah. I got back on the mats and three months after a major neck surgery and started training again. And... I competed, guys, I competed three months later in the World Championship of Jiu-Jitsu in oh. June of... June of 2010. That's awesome. What was your was, what was your mindset going into that competition? Were you just happy to be back on the mat and doing well, or were you? Um, oh man, yeah. Like you know, as as any competitor, because I, I do love to compete. As any competitor, of course, I, I wanted to win. But I'll tell you what, that was the last thing on my mind. I went out there. I, I lost three to two my first match, and I have no shame because I, I went out there and I was I was. Grappling with the guy we were competing, and I was on top of the world, man. It was, it was, there was never a better feeling. I, even when I lost, you know, I had tears of joy because I was like, man, this is incredible. My yeah. whole last year, my whole life just was upside down. Six months before that, I was, I couldn't move on an operating table, couldn't even move my neck. I had a huge scar in the back of my neck. I had the end of the day of what I went through, and to be competing six months after that was it was an incredible feeling. And 
And at that time, I had nobody to kind of talk. Like that injury wasn't very. I'm sure a lot of people had that injury, but I couldn't look up on Google or anything. I couldn't find anybody to give me inspiration. I kind of just stayed positive and you know, Archer. Speaking of Jason, like he he had some neck problems too. That guy, like he stayed in my ear a lot too. And I just had good people around me to keep me motivated. And and lo and behold, you know, you know, uh, four years later, I guess, four or five years later, I'm still I'm still on the mats and I'm still training and and haven't had too many problems since. And that was a question I was going to ask there too, um, where you said you haven't had too many problems since. Do you, do you still feel it at all? Like you know, some days after a hard day of training, or you know, or if, if you, somebody's uh, grabbing your neck in, in that situation. Yeah, uh, what what did happen to that? It cut into my muscle pretty deep. I do have some muscle spasms, which you know come with the surgery. I have some muscle spasms. As far as the the nerve, I got, I regained most of it. You know, I had good nerve damage. I had nerve damage and that takes a quite a bit of time to repair. I dealt with the nerve damage for probably a year and a half afterwards, but I'm pretty much almost full functional. I got my, my muscle back in my chest, my muscle back in my tricep. I can feel my finger again. So all that actually regenerated itself. My disc regenerated itself. We got another MRI and that thing looked like it was healthy. Like it was, it never got hurt, which is pretty incredible. I don't know how something like that could happen, but my my neck regenerated. I had a great surgeon. My surgeon was fantastic, you know. And to say that surgery is never a great option, I don't want people to think to run right to surgery if they have this injury. If you can do it through rehab, if you can do it through anything else, because I took a major risk. It was really my only option I had left if I really wanted to do this again. And you know, through the surgeon and through my my rehab, it, it, it just happened to work. And I'm not, you know, I'm very thankful for that, but. To get back to your question, I'm sorry to, to digress. But oh, no problem. I, I I do, you know, my neck does get stiff, and but I'm very smart about it now. I'm not I'm not going in like a full bore in my training session and trying to dive my neck and everything. I try to stay with Jason's Butcher's guillotine as much as possible. <laughs> uh, and, and you know, I try to be smart. You know, I I I guess it has shown me how to protect my neck a lot better in jujitsu. You know, I, I'm very weary of the chokes, and but I turn out a you know, I don't train with a handicap. I don't tell guys to, to watch out for my neck. You know, I train smart. That's on me. not up to my training partners. I, I like to take, you know, that in my own hands. And I really haven't had any problems uh, since awesome. then. And hopefully, you know, knock on wood that I don't. But so far, so good with my neck. If, uh, if you had a friend that had a similar injury, what would you tell your friend? Help them get through it or about what they're getting ready to go through? I would say no matter what, because man, the doctors, the doctors going to play. If you can't, you, I mean, you got to listen to a doctor to an extent, of course, you know, do the whole procedure. But when, when anybody tells you that you can't do something, you, and, and it's so cliche, guys. It's so cliche to yeah. say like, don't let anybody. But it's it's very true, you know. And I, and I took that in the, to my own accord. Like, you listen to your own body and you play it by what you feel and how you feel and stay positive as hard as it is and it was hard to stay positive i had some some days of very big doubt but stay positive and continue on and continue to do everything smart you know don't rush don't rush back take your time do the rehab do everything necessary to kind of keep yourself on the every day you wake up try to make a positive impact towards the right spot to get you back on the mat. You know, don't don't make it to where it's gonna get any worse. I know you know, I know you wanna train. I know you wanna get back on the mats, but be smart, you know, like 
like I said, do do something that's always going to be uh, make a positive impact towards yeah. your recovery. But don't let anybody tell you that you can't do it. Until you can't do it, until there's no way you can't do it anymore, there's always an option. Don't ever let that seed get planted in your head. If you want to get back, if you want to make it back, a, a person that loves something enough will find a way, and, and you'll find a way. Yeah. And Devin, you're you're very inspirational. You know, your story, you know, you're, you're just hearing your story, you've got to be one of the toughest people I've ever met in my life. I mean, you're a guy I want on my side. If I'm, if I'm going into a back alley, I want that guy. But, uh, you know, we just appreciate you, you know, coming on and sharing, sharing your story with us. And, uh, you know, just a very positive person, you know, and, uh, man, your, your story just like gave me goosebumps. You know, it makes me realize, uh, you know, with passion and a great attitude, we can accomplish anything. Yeah, and I, you know, that the doctor just told him kind of like a smirk on his face, like, you know, you're crazy for doing this anyway. You're not going to do this anymore. You're done. And, and, and doctors do that all the time. Yep. I mean, anytime I go to my doctor, they, they look at me like, what were you doing? It's, like, this is what yeah. we do. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter what a- we're doing. Get us back to what we want to do for our lives. And you're my doctor. Help me out. Don't don't limit me and uh, and, and, and give me closed doors on me. And, and, and I could I could... You know, I've never been in a situation where they said you're not ever doing that again. But man, I could feel it in you, man. Uh, thanks for sharing that. That's a, a huge impact in the story, man. Yeah, th- thank. I appreciate you guys for having me on here, and, and yeah, I mean, I feel like doctors, if they don't understand, they don't know. They're gonna. That's the route they're gonna take, and and people can't let that affect them. I mean, there's always a time. I'm, I'm sure there's a time. Like if yeah. somebody's really pretty, pretty hurt, they gotta listen, but. If a person knows, you, you know your body more than anybody else, more than the sure. doctor knows. The doctor can look at an MRI, tell you whatever, but you know your body. And as long as you know you can handle and do what you got to do, you got to listen to yourself. You got you to, gotta, you know, you got to listen to your body and do, because like you said, this is our life. Jiu-Jitsu is our life. And you, you, you just got to fight through it and do what you got to do to get back on the mat. And you can't have somebody like that that doesn't know you look you in your face until you never do it again you just got to keep fighting and thank you so much for sharing your story we're honored to have you on here and it uh i'm sure people if they even if they don't have a neck injury your philosophy towards getting past a serious injury is going to help anybody that's going to help in any injury and you know it's the attitude and positive attitude and just good old-fashioned work ethic you know nothing you put a you put a wall in front of Devin, he's going to knock it down. He's going to find a way around it. There's no stopping Devin. So thank you, Devin. Yeah, thank you, guys. And, yeah, I really do hope it, hope it reaches somebody and, and and makes a difference. So I really appreciate you guys, appreciate you guys having me on. All right. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Okay. Hey, we have our next caller on the phone uh, now. Uh, we've got uh, Michael from Dallas, Texas here. And uh, we appreciate you joining us today, Michael. No problem. Thanks. Uh, you're going to tell us a little bit about um, a, sh- a shoulder injury that you got from a, a key lock submission. But first, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, let's see. I've been doing um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu off and on um, since 96. Um, I started off with Pedro Sauer in Salt Lake City. Cool. And then when, when I moved to Dallas, um, I was a four-stripe white belt and got my blue belt with Carlos Machado. And then... Um, had some injuries and got married and um, took a long break from jiu-jitsu and um, found a place that um, Helson Gracie affiliate. Um, it's called the Danger Academy in Wiley, Texas. And I eventually got my purple belt with um, Helson Gracie, and that's 
currently where I train. Um, I also train with John Machado in Allen, Texas. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, congratulations there, Purple Belt, and uh, been training a long time. That's uh, neat to hear. Yeah, off and on. Um, just life happens. Yeah, 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 I think that's happened to all of us. <laughs> you started way before we did. That's, a, that's an impressive time to start. I was going to say, especially uh, Pedro Sauer back yeah, in uh, his main academy there. You that's know? cool. So uh, that's pretty neat. Yeah, it goes way back. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your injury. What happened leading up to it? Uh, we were just doing some simple drills, and um, we were going over key lock that day, and um, I was being the the good student and, and being very helpful with the guy who was doing the key lock on me, and I didn't, um, I didn't expect him to go from... To 100 percent when we were drilling, and that's exactly what happened. And um, I found myself bridging pretty fast to relieve the pressure. And um, I didn't feel anything happen. It just, you know, hurt a lot. And then um, just, you know, kept training that day, and I probably didn't get looked at for probably a month. Okay, and, so um, you said you were not, um, we're not rolling. You're actually just, just drilling, just, just just doing the movements. Just drilling. That's too mm-hmm. bad. That's I think that's pretty rare in most. I've never really heard of anybody actually getting that injured during during drilling. That's too bad, man. So yeah, I, I, you do I, let I your guard down a bit during the during the drilling. I'm sorry. You, you let your guard down while you're drilling, and you just kind of you know, like I say, you, you help your teammates yeah, get better. You, you have you're supposed to. You have to be a good training partner and don't give resistance because they can't learn if you're resisting. And um, I'd probably seen the guy once or twice before in our class, and I've probably seen him three times since. And it's been a while, a long time, a couple of years. So what actually happened in your shoulder? Um, it, um, I eventually went to orthopedic surgeon, and I had an MRI, and they, they saw that the labrum was torn off the shoulder, and I needed to get surgery to get it fixed. And that's what ended up happening. I had to get the two um, titanium anchors put into my shoulder to anchor that labrum back down. And then after you had your surgery, uh, did they start rehab right away? Um, and I know I've heard. Uh, yeah, yeah, rehab uh, probably about two weeks after the shoulder surgery. I had it in the sling for quite a while, and I had a buddy who had a shoulder surgery, so he had a a really awesome. Um, modified igloo um, cooler that has a, a pump that you fill with ice and water and you can pump this water through these tubes and there's a specific attachments for knees or whatever and I, he had one for his shoulder and I used that thing for probably a good three months um, to just keep it comfortable. Yeah, because I've heard, uh, you know, different training partners I've had or, and just regular people who don't even train that's had sh- shoulder injuries that... Shoulder rehab is is very very painful, uh, very uh, uh, not a fun one to go through. Yeah, um, I work in the medical field and I see people with knee injuries and shoulder injuries, and you know, talking to a lot of people, they said they'd rather have a knee done than a shoulder because the knee only goes back and forth, but your shoulder is a wide range of motion, and that's pretty tough to come back from. It's it's pretty hard. 
Um, how long were you off the match, you know, from that drilling injury that day till, you know, your surgery and then you went through rehab? Like, how long till you got back on the match? Uh, I probably took a good nine months off. Um, my wife wasn't too happy and I promised her I wouldn't compete in 2014, which is pretty rough because there's a lot of tournaments here in, in Texas, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I, 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 it, I just took a long time, you know, just took a long time. And when I got back on the mat, I told the guys, hey, my shoulder and everybody understood and they were pretty good. Yep. And that goes back to like what you were saying about before, good training partners. Uh, you know, you, yep. you got back on the mat and told them and, uh, hey, they're like, hey, we'll roll and they'll take care of you. Yeah. Like I said, I haven't, I haven't seen that guy, um, not much before, not Jack. So he's not already at our place yeah Yeah. it doesn't sound like a regular anywhere if you're gonna i mean that's that's not how that's not how you train jiu-jitsu it's not it's not effective yeah you 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 treat everybody with kindness and usually it comes back but not not that day i guess you you got my uh interest peaked a little bit you you mentioned a, a modified igloo cooler did he make that himself or what is this thing um, let me see if I can find it. Um, it, it looks like an, a little igloo, um, container that can hold like maybe six to nine cans, but, um, I know it's a machine you can, you can get anywhere, um, like it. And you pump in cold water to, to around your shoulder? Yeah, there's... Um, you can um, buy a different attachments for specific body parts um, and snap off um, from the tubing. Hmm. And um, my friend just had one perfection for me. And it's called EB Ice. EB Ice? EB Ice. Okay. That's good to know. I've never, never seen one of those before. And, uh, uh, Michael, when you were out the nine months there, uh, did you do any cross-training? I mean, were you able to to do any kind of cardio or anything else on the side, or was it just too painful and, and just doing your rehab? No, I just I just took it easy. Um, I, didn't, I wasn't into CrossFit or any cross-training. Yeah. And um, so I just, I just hung out and tried to, you know, modify my diet so I didn't explode and get fat and just uh just took it easy because you you know your shoulders in a sling you don't have really much of a choice yeah that's a bad thing like you said about the shoulder it's in a sling anything you're doing is gonna uh, put some put some pressure on it and uh, affect you Uh, do you do you still does it affect you today like if somebody's going for a key lock or an american or or just anything do you still feel the aches today um no i still um I see my my friend is a chiropractor. I see him every now and then, but um, it hasn't bothered me since you know I, I did the right rehab and took my time coming back and just um, had to be patient. You get that, you know, you get the jujitsu bug. You, you know, anytime you go to the mat, you want to get on, but you just have to be patient. And, and I haven't had any problems. I've been I've been back at it for quite a while and just just. I guess pay attention more to not getting in a key lock, but again, we were just drilling. Yeah, so yeah. It was rather there's nothing, yeah. There's nothing you could have done. To, I mean, 
That could happen to yeah. anybody if the, if it's with the wrong person. You yeah. know, everyone yeah. puts themselves in that spot when you're when you're drilling moves. Um, if this if a, if a friend of yours had the similar uh, shoulder injury, what, what would you tell them? You know, as they face this this uh, recovery and the surgery. Well, shoulder surgeries are pretty tricky because you don't know exactly what's going on until you see an orthopedic surgeon and you get an MRI. So I would say get the MRI first and then go from there. But, I mean, if if you're hurting and if it was the same exact injury as mine, I would say just go ahead and get it done because it's just going to get worse. It doesn't heal on its own. Okay, that's some, yeah, that's all advice. You're going to... Uh, but I'll fix it now, then later. Yeah, it's not going to get any better. And as Michael yeah, said, it doesn't heal on its own. I'm sorry? It doesn't heal on its own. You know, you, you have no, to get it No, it fixed. does not. It does not. And it's just it's just your bone grinding on bone, and it's it's not comfortable at all. I went through a lot of ibuprofen and um, Tiger Balm. You name it, I used it. Sounds like a, a difficult experience. Glad you're back on the mat and doing well. Yes, sir. It's good to be back on the mat. All right. Well, we appreciate you getting on here with us and sharing your story. I think you're going to help. Uh, I mean, shoulder injuries are fairly common, and I mean, it, very common. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it'll be good to hear and, and know that you can overcome this in in a certain amount of time and, and get you back on the mat. So that's good. Thank you. Yes, sir. All right, guys. Next, we have Mike here on the line with us. He's going to be talking today. Uh, of the uh, joy in jiu-jitsu we call ringworm, but uh, a little different than most. He got it in his scalp, and it was quite a severe case. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm doing great. How about you? Doing pretty good. I've, I've been ringworm-free for several years, but I think given enough time, most people get it, but <laughs> it's a good day if you don't have it, I guess. Um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you train, and, and, and any background you want to share about training? Sure, sure. So I, I first started jiu-jitsu back in 2003. I was stationed in San Diego, and at the time, uh, Dean Lister was training at City Boxing in San Diego. And, uh, you know, he, at the time, he was Abu Dhabi, uh, absolute winner. Uh, he had a belt in King of the Cage. You know, he was a huge name. Yeah. So it, was, it was a great, great gym back then. And uh, uh, from there... Um, and we'll talk about later, but, you know, I, I did get ringworm, which prevented me to train for a while. And so I didn't train for a few years. Um, I moved back to Wichita. Um, I, I trained, uh, here with, uh, with a couple of different, uh, guys. And, and, uh, recently I started training again and, uh, forgot how much I loved it, but still ringworm free. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have you back on the mass, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love it. I really love it. So um, you mentioned a little bit about your history. What happened? How, why do you think you ended up getting ringworm? Well, I, I think it's I think it's kind of peculiar because um, the gym I was training at, City Boxing, they were they were very meticulous with with keeping the mats clean um, before and after each each uh, class. Um, it would be swept. It would be uh, sprayed down and mopped. And you know, of course, there's rules. No. Uh, no shoes on the mat, that kind of thing. Don't walk in the restroom with bare feet. Um, but I ended up getting it. I mean, there was a large volume of people in and out of the gym. I think it was just inevitable at some point there's some kind of, you know, skin disease that is communicable that you'll get in an environment like that. So uh, I did end up getting it there, and uh, 
uh, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, and uh, coming back to the gym later, um, people didn't really remember if anyone else had ring warp at the time. But, uh, you know, I assume, you know, that there's always people who come in for one or two classes that like it. I could have got it from anywhere. Yeah. And I imagine that with, uh, you know, somebody of, uh, you know, like Dean Lister, he's got a lot of guys just dropping in who are in town for the weekend or whatever, and they want to train with train with him at his gym, and you're going to get a lot of that coming in and out of there, and you don't know. I mean, <clears throat> you don't exactly. know. Exactly, yeah, yeah. We'd see a lot of, we'd see, you know, famous fighters come in and, and train, but, yeah, all kinds of people just checking out the gym. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a high volume of people in and out of there. And your, your ring warmer's on your scalp? Yes, yes. Uh, um, th- there was actually a couple places where it, it showed up about the same time. Um, one part was on my uh, upper chest, and that actually it went away pretty easy. I mean, if if you're in an area with uh, exposed skin, there's usually a lot of topical things you can put on it, and it'll just wipe it out. So that that wasn't the biggie. But the uh, I had one in the back of my scalp, um, just just uh, right around the the beginning where the hair starts in the back of your neck, and uh, I, I had I had what you know I thought I thought was a bug bite at the time, but it started to grow and. Uh, eventually you know it became very noticeable that it was ringworm how does uh how does it look i mean does it does it affect the way your hair grows does it how do you how do you know i mean you have you have a wonderful hairstyle so i, mean, <laughs> I do i do uh, how, did, how did you know that you had I, ringworm I, I in a lot of product in my hair <laughs> um no yeah I, I i keep my hair really short now and i, I think one of the reasons maybe because because i had uh uh, so many issues with that, and I like uh, just very, you know, clean. I know exactly what's going on with my my head kind of kind of style. But uh, when it starts out, it it looks like it looks and feels like maybe you just got a really itchy bug bite, or maybe just a, you know some kind of mosquito bite that that's just really starting to get inflamed. Um, and I think it's a little more noticeable because it's more itchy than normal. It just seems to persist, and it uh, it slowly uh, grows in size and also has a, a little more mass underneath it, you know, more, almost like a welt. And uh, at a certain point, um, it'll start to plateau out. This, hopefully no one's no one's going to be eating while they're, while they're listening to this. But it starts to plateau I'm, out. I'm eating right now. What's that? I said I'm eating right now, man, just to... Just to oh, great. Yeah, that's delicious. I'm just messing with you. It'll start to plateau out, and it, it's a very distinctive look, um, and that's where it gets the, the ring look because the outer edge of it. I read a lot about ringworm after having it so long. The outer edge of it is is active edge of it where it's spreading out, and the inner part is where um, your skin is kind of healing back. So as it starts to get larger and larger, you'll start to see the inner um, part of the ring uh, looking more normal, and you'll see that inflamed ring. And that's where you get the name. Uh, ringworm, but it's just a fungus that spreads out like that. Um, so, you know, within the first few weeks, it may just look like a really killer bug bite, and then you'll definitely see the ring start to develop. And you were given, you mentioned the topical stuff worked great on your chest. How'd that work in your on your scalp? Yeah, so so the topical stuff, um, you know, I, I was uh, in the military at the time. I went to medical. They gave me a, a tube of some kind of antifungal topical stuff, put it on the chest, as directed that that you know that wiped it out very quickly in the scalp um i did the same thing i i, I applied it in the area and uh, at the first at first it seemed to to work um 
the, uh, the, the inflammation and all that seemed to die away. Um, there wasn't the characteristic ring ridge um, in there. Um, however, there was still like a, like a definite mass underneath uh, the skin. And, uh, you know, I, I'd gone back to medical and asked about it, and they thought it was fine. The problem was, um, I would say about two weeks after that, after I thought it was it was okay, it's, it's subsiding for some reason. There's just still some mass under there. It would come back, and uh, you know, I'd go back and I'd say apply the apply this ointment again. I'd do the same thing. It would it would start to go away and then come back. And each time I would repeat this, it became more and more resistant until finally, you know, none of this topical stuff was was working anymore. And that was the point where it seemed like a, <laughs> it was a really annoying problem because in these little periods where I felt like it was taken care of, it, it almost seemed like it's completely gone. Um, you know, I, I go back to the gym and you know, I love jujitsu. At, at the time, I was training every single day that I could. Um, you know, they had classes, you know, Monday through Saturday. So any day I could, I was up there. And it really killed me to realize, oh, crap, it's coming back. I can't go to the gym. Yeah. So, right. So how did, how long was this process? Um, like how, so okay, say, let's, let's say how long, the one on your chest, how long until that went away? Uh, the one on the chest, um, honestly, I think one to two weeks. Okay. Uh, it was gone. It, 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 it just, um, uh, the inflammation went away, the, itches, the itch, itching went away, and this, this ridge just kind of fell off, and it was just like skin. It was just new skin. Um, the entire process for the one that was in my scalp was was much longer. There were several weeks where I was messing with the ointments. Um, it, it would subside, it'd come back, subside, come back. And in the end, I think, uh, honestly, roughly four months, maybe. Okay. Four months where, wow. I, where I had this, this ringworm just come back super resistant each time. You kept building it stronger it was, and stronger. Yeah, yeah, it, it kept becoming more and more strong. And um, what actually I ended up doing was uh, my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, she she looked it up. Uh, I, I just I was I didn't have a lot of confidence in the person I was going to uh, to treat this because what I found out later was using these kind of topical creams in the scalp area is a definite no no. It causes it to do exactly like I said. It, it becomes more resistant. It goes uh, deeper below the skin. And it just becomes more hardy. It, it's able to resist that that kind of ointment. So there was um, there was a couple of things I could have done. I could have got a antifungal pill, um, you know, and that'll that'll go through your system and, and kill any kind of fungus. Uh, the only thing there is it's also it can be very rough on uh, your internal organs. And so that kind of I was thinking, okay, that's 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 a last step thing. Let me see what else I can try. And uh, my girlfriend had found out that tea tree oil, um, just regular tea tree oil that you can, you know, find at maybe a pharmacy type place, something like that, or, you know, even, even a place where you might get oils for making candles, things like that. Um, that that's really good at killing fungus. It, it, it really wipes it out. Uh, but the, the thing to be cautious with is it, it, uh, straight tea tree oil can be rough on your, on your skin. And after several days of applying it, it can take off some outer layers of your skin and the area will be raw. So, there's a plus and minus side. For me, the plus was I got rid of this horrible, itchy thing on the back of my head <laughs> so I could deal with a little, a little rawness uh, for, for a few weeks. So that definitely took care of it. Has this had any um, lasting side effects, having 
the ringworm that that became stronger than your average ringworm? Well, after after um, using using different things and tea tree oil to eventually get rid of uh, any ringworm I did have, I I did notice that I'd say a couple times a year, at least two times a year, it would just seem to come back. It'd be different places, so it, it didn't. It, this isn't really something that should just be traveling through your body like that. It, if it does, you have a serious problem. But but I didn't think so because I get a little bit here, a little bit there every few months. Um, I'm thinking, is it from the gym? Our gym's really clean. What's going on? And I actually battled with this after I I completely stopped uh, rolling. You know, uh, went on deployment, and I would I would get it, and which was which was really odd because I, I wasn't on mats. You know, I, I don't know where I was getting it from. Um, and even when I'm just completely uh, in an environment where I shouldn't, I would still get it. And it wasn't until I had gone to a doctor. Um, because I started to get this entire body rash at some point. And this was, I'd say, four years after I originally got ringworm. Uh, I went to a doctor who, who was very good with sports medicine. Uh, he had worked a lot with uh, high school wrestlers. And I gave him my entire life story with ringworm and with everything else and how I have had these recurring appearances of ringworm, even when I shouldn't. I'm not around like a jujitsu environment. And what he said is it sounds like because it was mistreated and I had such a long history with it coming back over and over and over, it's almost like an allergy. My body had become sensitized to yeah. any kind of uh, fungus or, or even other kinds of skin infections. And I, I, uh, I just was more susceptible to it. And when I would get um, any kind of skin infection, my body would kind of overreact. And, uh, you know, I asked him, is there any way to, to kind of shortcut this process and get past the whole thing? And he said it was, it was really a thing where your body has to almost recalibrate itself. And at some point, I'd say around um, six years after, I, this is going to sound really bad for anyone who has ringworm now, but <laughs> I would say about six years after the initial occurrence, my, my body seemed to just finally kick it, and I, I didn't have any more skin irritations um, after that. And, again, this isn't going to be everyone's, uh, normal experience with ringworm. I think mine was a little unique because of how it was originally treated. So now I just I maintain a lot of uh, uh, really good skin hygiene, you know, before and after rolling to make sure it doesn't come back. Okay. Let's say um, you've got a friend who's got, hey, I think I've got ringworm on the back of my head or whatever. Um, what advice would you tell them? Well, uh, <clears throat> first thing I would say is definitely don't go to the gym. Don't Don't think you're tough and other people are tough and, you know, we're out here submitting people. I'm not going to worry about this little itchy thing. You know, don't put other people through this. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's not fun, and it's also it's not fair. If you know you have something like that or suspect you have it, just just don't go to the gym. Um, if, if you have it in uh, just a just a normal place, you know, your arm or something like that, often you can get some something over the counter, some kind of topical cream, apply it on there. If you do have it in any you know peculiar place, like I said, on, on the scalp. Um, I would recommend you go in to, to see a doctor because they, and not just not just any doctor. Um, you know, one of my problems, like I said, was going to someone who hadn't really seen this before and and did they thought was right. You know, not their fault; they just hadn't experienced it before. Um, if you if you have a doctor who has a good background with sports medicine, especially something you know, maybe they have a background with working with wrestlers or something like that, where they get a lot of. Uh, you know, skin communicable type diseases, that would be great because we'll know what they're looking at. 
and you know, maybe they'll put you on an antifungal pill or something more strong. And, it, you know, take care of it right the first time rather than go through what I went through. Yeah, okay. Sounds good. Appreciate you hopping on here and, and sharing your story with everybody, and hopefully you'll save some people some, uh, I would say headaches, but some skin rashes. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> All right, guys, we have Jim on the line with us today. He's going to talk to us about his lumbar fusion. How are you doing today, Jim? I'm doing great, Byron. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. We're glad to have you on and, and looking looking forward to learning from you and uh, having you share your story with everybody. We appreciate it. Sure. Looking forward to it. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you train, how long you've been training, stuff like that? Sure. I started martial arts back in February. I was practicing Shotokan Karate at Temple University. I'm 50 years old now. I've been training pretty much six or seven times a week all my life. Various injuries, but working on a karate demonstration uh, back in, I think, 84. So I got flipped on my back pretty hard on a hardwood surface. And... Um, I you know went to the hospital right away. Thankfully, they didn't they didn't see any any damage things like that. So a couple of days later, I healed up because you're 19, 20 years old. You heal really fast. Unbeknownst to me, that there was a hairline fracture of one of my vertebrae, and over the course of 25 years, that fracture healed itself because the muscles held it in place. However, it actually overcompensated and overhealed. So I experienced what's called stenosis, where the um, the hole going through my vertebra where my spinal cord goes was getting smaller and smaller and smaller. I had no idea about this. So one day um, at jiu-jitsu, suddenly I felt like I had been squatting, you know, 225 pounds over and over and over for a couple of days. It was very hard to walk. So I went to the doctor. Um, he sent me for the x-rays, MRIs, things like that. Um, all that stuff takes a while to come back. So, uh, you know, after about two weeks or so, I started feeling better. If they could things are going much better. I get a call from the doctor. He says, Jim, have you ever injured your back before? And I said, uh, yeah, back in college, you know, I've got, I think I had a fractured vertebrae as well. We got a problem. You have to see a surgeon. I was like, wow. And you know, yeah. at that point, your whole world is just like, holy crap, this is bad. Um, so let me, let me ask you. So you originally hurt your back in 84. When was it when you, this doctor told you? How, you haven't... Uh, it was, it was in 2010. Okay, wow. Okay, I had been doing jujitsu for about about almost three years, loving it, training, training six, seven times a week, and then suddenly I hear I need a spinal fusion. I was like, Oh my god, what do I do? Well, I'm a medical device recruiter, so the first thing I do is I called some of my clients who have some of the top surgeons as their customers, and I said, Guys, I need a spinal fusion. They're like, Are you kidding me? And I said, No. So they gave me a couple of guys to go to. Thankfully, I was able to go to this this place where I live in New Jersey called Coastal Spine. And there's a, 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 a neurosurgeon there, Mark Testaiuti, who is such a great surgeon. When other surgeons need to have their operations, you know, uh, whenever they need work done on themselves, yeah. they come to this guy. Okay? That's, that's a good I go sign. I go to his office. The guy's in shape. He's an ex-gymnast. He sees what I do. Um, and he's like, you know what? Just a walk in the park for me. I'm just going to take your. I'm going to take the disc out. I'm going to put some titanium nuts and bolts and screws in there, and blah 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 blah. blah and you'll be good as new. I was like, oh really? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so it took almost four months to even get scheduled for the operation because they went in both through the stomach as well as flipped me over and um, 
went in through the back in, in, a, in a non-invasive way. And then, so I went in for the surgery in November of, uh, I believe, 2010. I was in the operating room for five hours. I woke up. I was in the hospital for, for, for about five days. Hurt like hell. Um, but, and then, uh, I mean, about, about a week or two later, you start physical therapy. And, you know, because I've always been in shape, it wasn't that hard because now my spine was put back together and, and, and I woke up with no sciatic pain. So that was incredible. And then my physical therapist turned out to be a major MMA fan. Yeah. So he's like, Jim, you know, you're in much better shape than almost any other patient I see, but I don't care. I'm going to make you even in better shape. So it's almost like, it's almost like I had a personal trainer for the next two months as I was recovering, recovering, recovering. So I got to the point where um, it was recovered enough that, you know, the, uh, the physical therapist discharged me. I went back into the gym, and there were a couple of my buddies are rolling around, and I said, hey, you want to roll around a little bit? And they was like, yeah, but, you know, be really careful. So I rolled, and it actually started feeling even better from that, Byron, because it, 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 it just started working those muscles again. The biggest situation about surgery is that when you're on the web, you're not going to see very many happy people because they've already gotten back to their lives. The people who are posting on the web are usually very sad, yeah. upset, it's not working for them, and many times they're hooked on medication. Okay, I can't say enough about modern medicine and surgical procedures. If you're already in good shape, and you need the surgery because you'll know because you can't walk or you know you're you're just debilitated in some way. Find the best surgeon you can, and put your ultimate trust in that person because you know these guys really know what they're doing. Get a couple opinions, of course, but you know I would say that you know once I got back into it um, in in training, I started competing again. I went back to winning gold, silvers, and bronze. You know, and 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 I'm back to training six or seven times a week pretty much good as new but the real um i mean i would say like 99.9 percent is completely healed uh, um the worst part though is that i've lost i lost quite a bit of flexibility in my hamstrings which you know from from being sedentary and 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 from what i hear lower back operations can cause that to happen but you know i don't mind having a little bit of loss of flexibility to have you know complete physical mobility again yeah so yeah, I mean it was a it was a it was a huge major operation, and if you see the X-ray, I actually look like uh, Wolverine with a little bit of adamantium <laughs> <laughs> built up around my spine. But you know, for the most part, I don't even think about it anymore. Really, that's you know? good. So it's <clears throat> how, how long would you say you know you had the surgery in uh, November 2010? How long until you stopped thinking about it a lot when you would go train? Oh, um, I was out. I was completely off the mat for four and a half months. Okay. Okay. I got back. Um, I had the surgery the day, the two days after Thanksgiving in 2010, I was back on the mat by May, 2011. And it was about a couple, like every day got better and better as, as the rest of your body acclimates to, jiu-jitsu and all the surrounding muscles start getting strong again, you're not really thinking about the surgery you had because the rest of your body is starting to, starting to feel really good again. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm 50 years old now. So 
three years ago, I felt like not being able to train, I almost reached my natural age in how I felt. But as soon as I started training again, it's like I felt like, like I was getting younger and younger every day again, which was just completely amazing, completely amazing. So I didn't think much about the surgery as much as I was thinking about getting back in shape and really enjoying it. And then, you know, I didn't, didn't really roll extremely hard, you know, because as you're getting back in shape, the whole body's getting back in shape. Yeah. But the, but the really cool thing my surgeon said is, he was like, Jim, once these, you know, titanium rods and such, they're really secure. I said, you have to fall out of, out of a two-story window in order to dislodge anything that I put back there. So, I mean, so much of it is the confidence your surgeon has that's, that really transfers that enthusiasm. Yeah. You know? It's like, if you go to the right surgeon and he says, look, <clears throat> I've done this before for, you know, my guy said, I've done this for paratroopers. And, you know, I'm not jumping out of airplanes yeah. anymore. So, but just that level of confidence, it's like you and your surgeon working together and, you know, had a great outcome. You know, so that's uh, just turned into an amazing thing. Yeah, that sounds like you had a good combination of a, a great surgeon and then, uh, you know, you, know you, you went into it in shape and then you yes, had a good attitude a towards rehab. part of it is you want to be in the best shape you can before you go into surgery because it makes recovery so much easier, so much easier. Definitely. I saw so many people in there, Byron, as patients that I kind of think of them as, as like crumbling buildings. Yeah. You know, just out of shape, overweight, already giving up on who they are physically, that I can't imagine them going through the trauma of having spine surgery and having much of a better recovery because they're not really, re they're not really recovering back to much. You know, so I can see why they're why they're hooked on a medication, why they're this, yeah. why they're that. You know, and thankfully that's that wasn't me. Wow, so. looking back um, over the over the years since you hurt your back in '84, um, did you see any signs of of maybe Nothing. this condition? Nothing at all, huh? Nothing. It was it was it was the craziest thing. I didn't even know that I cracked the vertebra until a couple years later, after I got got flipped on my back. I I um. I got kicked in the chest, so I went to the ex uh, went to the hospital for X-rays, and like you know, your ribs are fine, but did you did you know that you had a cracked vertebra? And I was like, Are you kidding me? And they showed me the the calcification line on the vertebra that they would not have seen initially because it was it was it was such a hairline fracture. But I had no idea that it was going to over, you know, overcompensate for itself and develop into the stenosis. Just unbelievable, but yeah. Thankfully, uh, thankfully things things worked out really well, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm very thankful. And you know, I I I think it's real important that if someone has an injury that is compromising their quality of life, yeah, you know, um, you know when you need surgery because you can't you can't walk or you can't move or you can't basically live day to day without constantly being in pain. That's how it was for me. And it came out of nowhere. But I knew right away, like, you know, there's there's no way around this. I need surgery. And it was, that, was, that was a really, really sobering thing to hear a neurosurgeon sit you down and say, yeah, I'm going to have to go in there and I'm going to put these 
rods and screws and all this stuff in there. And, you know, a month before that, I was great training for my first tournament. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> so. And you, you said it yeah. was uh, L4 and L5, and they fused yep. them together? Mm-hmm. Yep. So now I have one disc was taken out, and they put a metal a, a metal cage in the same size as, as a disc called a spacer, and, and they fill that with bone growth material, and they uh, screw it all back together, and the two vertebrae fuse into one. That, that's where the term spinal fusion comes from. Wow. It's amazing how much research. It, it, it's amazing when you need an operation like that, how, how, um, how much of an education you tend to give yourself. Yeah, Because you I realize, bet. you know, you're going to be on the table for five hours. And it's a and it's a big deal. And everything you read on the web is really unhappy people, because you know they're just they weren't in shape to begin with. But yeah. my neurosurgeon will say that you know I'm 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 the best outcome he's ever seen. But I told him I was going to be, because I said that this isn't going to change me in any way other than I'm just going to be you know going to be off the mats for a little while. That was it. That's good. You had that. I mean, you you didn't want this to affect the things that you enjoy in life. I wouldn't you, allow it to. Yeah. You know, because I'm I'm an extremely physical person. You know, I'm seeing work that. out every day. Yeah, you know, that, that's yeah. Guys, that's... and then you know when I read about guys having you know spine issues and things like that, I'm like, look, you know, you could try holistic medicine, you can try acupuncture, you can try all that pseudoscience, but if the sur- but if the surgeon or the pain specialist says try an epidural anti-inflammatory injection, get one. It's cutting edge science. It's amazing. You know, they work. You know, it just, uh, it's just, it, it, it kind of amazes me how, how long someone will go being in pain just because they, quote unquote, don't want to go the medical route. Well, the medical route, all of the time it, 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 it took to be the cutting edge, that's the best science out there. It's just, uh, sometimes there's a, there's a lot of confusion because, there's so many unhappy people on the web posting about their quote unquote bad experiences when people like myself, you know, can't say enough about modern medicine. Yeah. And, and we are all lucky to live in the day and age that we do live in. I mean, there's something to be said to be take advantage of that. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, it's just uh, like, for example, my surgery, instead of like, you know, filleting me down the center and pulling me open, all that stuff, they, they use a minimally invasive approach where they, just made very small slits and and they put larger and larger tubes inside to open up where they need to go and then they use special uh, special instruments to make it happen so the recovery period was was much much faster that's good if this yeah. if you if you have a friend who's looking at um a similar surgery you know obviously you're going to recommend finding the best possible surgeon but what, mm-hmm. what, what would you tell them to expect or, or just like a heads up you know be ready for this okay don't take this the wrong way. Okay. No one really, no one really told me about the constipation. Okay. It's good <laughs> to know. You're going into surgery. They're going to put you to sleep, and they use really, really strong anesthetics, really strong opioids. So, surgical pain is one thing. The constipation that comes in the week after, the weeks after, from that, from being on the opioids and being on the pain medicine. Byron, it's worse than surgical pain. So 
I would say anyone who's, anyone who's going into it, you know, be ready for that. Yeah. Be very cognizant of the fact that you're going to be on really strong um, painkillers. Everybody will develop a little bit of addiction after three weeks, but that's fine. As soon as you go off them, you know, you're, you're, you're good to go because you're so happy that you're not in pain anymore. But it's a weird feeling for about 24 hours or so, you know. But, uh, you know, for the most part, find the best surgeon you can and trust them. You know, put your faith in them. See if they've worked on other athletes. You know, tell them, show them, this is what I do in jiu-jitsu. This is what I do in MMA. Can you get me back to this? Yeah. And if they say, no, I can't, find another one. Yeah. Because there's no reason why you can't. Tito Ortiz did it. Um, Nate Quarry. Nate Quarry called me on the phone because my, my, my coach, Marco Perrazzo, is good friends with him. He called me on the phone to talk to me about it. And like, well, that's you know, nice. Like, uh, yeah, you know, like two weeks before I went in, you know, so, so we had a conversation there. So there's a lot of guys out there who've had major surgery. It's not just the football players having their knees scoped, you know. Um, there's no reason why a, a, um, an amateur athlete can't have any kind of surgery and have, and, and, and have excellent outcomes. You went into it with, uh, with, in great shape. and you, I mean, that's cool that Nate Corey uh, gave you a call and, and kind of yeah. gave you a heads up. That's real nice of him. And, and uh, you definitely find the right surgeon to, to get you where you want to be. The right um, surgeon makes all the difference because they've done it numerous times. And it's like a good instructor. They transfer enthusiasm. They get you excited for it. They make you, you know, the more they make you feel like this is just what they do and they're really good at it, the more trust you have in them, you know, and, and, and that's, and that's really key. Yeah. That that goes a real long way. Plus I had a great physical therapist. The guy was an MMA fan. We went in there and talked to MMA as he, as he, as he worked the hell out of me, (laughs) (laughs) which was great. You know, it, 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 made it fun. It just, it just made me feel like I'm only off the mats for a little bit of time because I got a great team to put me back down. Good. Put me you, back out there. You mentioned um, the pain medicine. I think, you know, as um, as adults that that don't that aren't addicted to anything, you know, any substances or anything like that, um, and then a lot of times somebody will have a, a back surgery and then they become, you know, here you are at whatever age, you know, you're not you're not hooked on anything, and then you're hooked on these pain pills for your back. How was breaking that that addiction? You said it wasn't that bad for you. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I was put on oxycontin. I was, I was put on oxycontin, okay, which is, you know, basically the best kind of uh, pharmaceutical grade heroin you can get without being addicted to heroin. <laughs> um, but um, I'm, I'm I'm an executive recruiter. My business was 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 very busy, and so as soon as I got out of the hospital that Friday, I was back on the phones, and then. From then on, I, um, I, I, Christmas coming up and all kinds of stuff. But the OxyContin not only allowed me to function, but allowed me to function at a high level. Okay, and um, after about I think 28 days, when I went back in for my second checkup, the surgeon said, "Jim, you're doing great." You don't even need the oxy anymore. Let's just keep you on the Percocet. And I said, okay, fine, let's do it. So I came home that day, and I didn't take any OxyContin, and I just took a um, took a Percocet. 
And a little while later, I started feeling horrible. You know, I just, I just felt like just edgy. This, this, this really wasn't working for me. Maybe I needed some some kind of different pain medicine. It wasn't your back I, that was that was feeling bad. It was just your body was unhappy. It was my back, my body, okay. everything, and I was irritable. You know, so I had so I I called the surgical group. My surgeon was on vacation, so I, because it was right after Christmas. I finally got a hold of another surgeon, and I said, you know, maybe we need some Vicodin or something. He goes, Jim, you're going through withdrawal. And that was a major bell ringer. So so what I did was I said to myself, you know what? Since the Percocet makes me feel horrible anyway, maybe I don't really need any more pain medicine. Why don't I just see where I am pain-wise? So I stopped everything. And then after about... Uh, I guess about 12 hours, I started to realize, you know what, this isn't, my back is not throbbing. You know, I'm not, I'm not really feeling anything other than just the, just the stiffness and the, you feel a kind of solidity. It's, it's a weird feeling when you've had an operation where you know that your spine has been opened up, you know, yeah. it, 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 it feels really heavy back there. Okay. But nothing felt painful other than just that heaviness, you know? So at that point I realized, you know, I probably even need any, any more pain medicine. And that was really liberating because I could see how a lot of people would say, no man, I need more oxy. I've got to have it, you know? And while I was, while I was going for my physical therapy, the physical therapist was, was just regaling me with stories of just little old ladies hooked on the pain medicine, trying to, you know, strangle whoever they could to get more of it. You know, it's like, because it's, it's biologically addictive. There's nothing you can do to stop the addiction process. That's the scary part. Yeah. But the fact that I was only on it for 27, 28 days made it much, much easier. And I asked the surgeon, I said, you know, um, I said, you know, if, if I'd wanted more oxy, would you have given it to me? He says, yeah, probably for about another week or, or so more. And I remember when I, before the surgery, all the patients who were, who were getting surgery that, that month from this practice, we had to go to, a, um, to, to an educational seminar where they talked about the surgery itself, what to expect, things like that. And basically one physician's assistant said, look, You'll be on really strong pain medication for anywhere from four to six weeks. After that, if you still still feel you need that pain medication, we have a specialist counselor here, and the guy stood up, who will help you with overcoming that addiction because you will no longer be in surgical pain, so therefore we're not going to prescribe it for you. That was really interesting as well. Yeah, that is. Yeah. So thankfully, you know, I didn't really get pumped in any way because I just wanted to get back to jujitsu because that's what I'm hooked on. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. That's a good thing to be hooked on. I I can see where other people would have a a major problem. Okay, man, I appreciate it. It's been good talking with you and learning about the first the back surgery and then dealing with the pain medicine and and your uh, insights on on dealing with surgery and finding a good person to to work with. Yeah, I mean, it's a – like I said – Modern medicine is amazing. Find the right surgeon. You'll know if you need surgery. And, you know, a lot of us have great outcomes. We just don't post about it on the web. So 
don't trust the web. The web is not a good cross section of the population. Okay, yeah, it's a lot of really unhappy people <laughs> who are hooked on pain medicine and wondering why they're still in pain. Yeah. You know? That does make sense. So, You're more likely to write a, yeah. a bad review for That's a That's why I was excited to speak to you on this podcast because I know there's, there's, there's not enough guys out – there's not enough guys like me out there who have really come forth and say, you know, guys, you got a problem. Get it fixed because they can fix it. Very good. We appreciate you coming on here. Sure, Byron. All right. Thanks, Jim. Sure. My pleasure. Okay, guys. Now we have Ariel with us on the line. She's going to talk to us a little bit about her knee injury and how she overcame that. How are you doing today, Ariel? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, it's been an interesting day so far. Talked to quite a few people, and um, you know, it's it's a little sometimes a little discouraging hearing all the injuries, but you know, people come back and they they get back to training, and that's that's also motivating. You know, it's, it's just life gives you a little hurdle sometimes to overcome. So yeah, yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where you train, who you are, and, and any sort of background you have training? Sure. Um, I'm in Pensacola, Florida, and I train at the Academy of Pensacola. And I was been training now for, including the time off that I've been off the mat, for just about a year and a half now. Um, <laughs> my mat time varies because I was off the mat so long with my injury. And I've been training jiu-jitsu and judo, and I'm about to start participating in our kickboxing classes. <laughs> cool. You sound busy. Yeah. A lot of fun. training. You know, it gets addictive. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, but, but tell us about your injury. How did it happen? Well, I had been training jujitsu for about almost three months, and there was actually a competition that was going to literally be in my neighborhood, um, like three blocks away from my house. <laughs> And I was like, oh, I can do this. But I had a problem, which was they start you standing up. Yeah. <laughs> and so I got the harebrained idea, let's do judo, because the best way to take your opponent to the mat is to throw them there, right? Yeah, that's a good way to do it. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I figured I'd start taking judo classes. And um, at the end of my third class, where we do a traditional randori for about – you know, 15 minutes, five-minute rounds or so, just trying to knock each other down. My um, training partner got a little imaginative and uh, tried to attempt a move that had never been taught to us, and it went wrong, unfortunately. I ended up with a full thickness tear of my ACL, my MCL, and a partial tear of my meniscus. That sounds, that sounds pretty bad. Did you, did you know it was injured when it happened immediately? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, you know, you can think a lot of thoughts before you hit the mat. And, uh, you know, I heard those classic three pops that people talk about when they talk about busting their knee. And uh, the first one, I thought, oh, man, I've really done something. And then the second one, I was like, well, maybe that just clicked it right back into place. And by the third pop, there was like a lot of pain. So I knew I had definitely done something wrong. So what did you do after that? Um, well, I was actually told, because this was kind of like a common injury, I guess, um, by some of my teammates that it was almost not worth it to go to the ER. Um, so I managed to find a doctor who would see me the next day, an actual orthopedic surgeon. 
and um, we immediately started talking about treatments and how to get the swelling down and physical therapy and things like that. Um, ultimately, I decided I would actually go with a different uh, orthopedic surgeon um, because the treatment plan that the first one had me on kept me on crutches for about a, a month and a half before she even wanted to consider doing surgery. And um, I found that unacceptable, you know, like the more time that I went without surgery, I felt the more time I would be off the mat and not learning. How did you know for sure? Like, like I'll have, you know, a pop and some soreness in a joint. How did you know for sure that you needed to go to a doctor that next day? Oh, um, well, uh, we have the benefit of having some, uh, sports medicine and physical therapists on the team. (laughs) And, uh, as soon as I I hit the mat and was in extreme pain, they, they came over and, you know, tried to calm me down and, and they did what's called a drawer test where they kind of pull the back of your calf to see if your shin pops out. And if it does, your ACL is gone. And so they, they did the drawer test and it was very positive. Okay, that's uh, yeah. That does not sound like a good time. No, no, but uh, I mean, it shows how you can utilize your teammates and their yeah. extra skills that they have off the mat. <laughs> it is incredible the the variety of people that are in a in a jujitsu gym or judo in, in that instance. But yeah, a lot of different Absolutely. different skills in there. So um, you ended up going with some with Sergi. What happened? How was that like? Um, the surgery was actually um, very quick, um, relatively painless. I mean, your knee has been opened, obviously, and, uh, <laughs> you know, there's definitely some swe- uh, swelling and pain um, that happens within, you know, the next three days after surgery. But by the fourth or fifth, you're actually starting to feel better, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, um they they started me on physical therapy on my fifth day post-surgery. So I was able to start moving my leg and start moving my knee almost immediately. And that had been a big difference, you know, from the crippling, you know, being on crutches for two months, which makes even everyday activities impossible. Yeah. Uh, actually being able to move your leg and use it was, was wonderful. You said that you you were fairly early on in your martial arts um, journey when this happened, I would think that that would bring you um, to a point where you're not quite hooked on the martial arts and you're really questioning whether you want to continue with this or not, getting injured that early on. did that Was that the case? Um, you know, I, I took the extra time that I, I had acquired <laughs> um, of being off the, the mat to really kind of evaluate um, my relationship with jiu-jitsu and um, I remember my coach asking me after my first class what I thought of the class, and I thought I loved it. And, you know, he started to get that yeah, right smile, and I was like, no, seriously, I love it. And um, I figured, you know, we always see these jokes online about, oh, you know, I'm in a relationship with jiu-jitsu and things like that. And so <laughs> if jiu-jitsu was a person, and I really loved that person, um, then this would be the moment where they gave me the ultimatum in, in our relationship. You know, what are you doing now? Where are we going from here? And I was like, you know, if I really love this, I'm going to go ahead and commit. I'm going to get married to jujitsu, and I'm going to keep going because I really love this. That, yeah, that, that's 
a cool way to look at it, you know, and, and you did get that ultimatum pretty early on, <laughs> you know, and that's, yeah, it's true. It's true. But, you know, I, I just find it so irresistible to be on those mats that, uh, I, I think, I think this jujitsu is for me. <laughs> well, good. I'm willing to take the plunge. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a fun way to look at it. Yeah. So how long were you off the mats with your doing rehab and, and not, and not getting back to, to training? Well, um, like I said, it was almost two months that I spent on crutches, but as soon as I had the surgery, I waited about five months doing rehab about three times a week, and um, right at the middle of the fifth month, I saw the doctor, and he had been promising me that at six months, I could go back to jiu-jitsu. Well, during our consultation, he, he told me he really, really wanted me to wait till nine months in. And that is not the answer I was looking for. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I kind of went against his orders and started, you know, very slowly doing techniques. Um, not so much sparring, but um, just techniques at, at like the five, almost six months mark. Okay. Um, I just, I couldn't resist the mats anymore, you know. You know, I don't know of any doctor who's looking at a recovering patient and says, it's time to get back on the mat and, and start training hard again. <laughs> It, there's, there's no benefit to them to say that to somebody because if, you know, if you do get re-injured, you could go and say, hey, you told me I was ready, you know. I mean, most That's people right. are going to start training a little earlier than they should maybe, but your doctor's not going to tell you, get back out there and, and, and start, you know, rolling around again. So, <laughs> Absolutely. And my doctor, bless his heart, did admittedly say that he had no idea what jiu-jitsu was or, or anything like that. He just didn't want me to do those things that they saw he saw in MMA. Yeah, and I was like, difficult. oh, I can handle that. <laughs> I, I can avoid being punched in the face, no problem. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the, you get the stereotypical what they, they're going to make a guess at what it is. And, and they have a, a vague idea now, thanks to MMA, but... Usually they're right. they're way off as far as how crazy it is. <laughs> were you able to do any cross training and 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 stay fit and, and active while you were injured? Yeah, you know I um after a while, like I said, a couple of days after surgery, they they had me in physical therapy about three times a week. So there they were. I, I had the benefit of being able to have this. Um, it's actually like a physical therapy center that's that's nationally, uh, nationally recognized, excuse me. Um, and, I, you know, they had, like, football players there um, and SEC draft uh, football players there rehabbing with me. And so they were very, very focused on not only getting my leg back to normal but keeping me fit um, with weights and, you know, cardio and things like that. Um, just about everything they offered to the pro athletes, they were offering to me. So that was something that I did three days a week. And then on my own... I was doing normal kind of biometric um, uh, exercises, and within two months, I was in yoga class trying to get my range of motion to what I consider normal. Do you think the yoga helped you uh, heal up a little quicker or better? Um, I'm not sure if it helped with the healing so much, but it, it definitely encourages that scar tissue that, okay. that kind of gets creative to be like more stretchy <laughs> yeah. and, and it definitely helps with the range of motion. You know, um, it, you, you learn in yoga that there's a fine line between, you know, intense feelings and, um, something that might be painful. And that was a helpful skill, not only to bring to the jujitsu mats, but also to bring to my physical therapy too. Cool. That's good advice. Um, 
I'm guessing you did some yoga before you got injured, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I would, I mean, that's that's one option for somebody who is unable to to get back on the mats, you know, and, and use that time to do some other kind of training. And, and yoga looks like a an option that might help you. So that's cool. Absolutely. How are you? How's your knee today? What's what's going on with your lasting effects? Um, I'm going to say I'm about 85 to 90 percent back to normal with my knee. You know, um, there are still some motions and some kind of pressure that's, that's you know, just too much. And I'll often tap in class when I get into one of those positions. I definitely get a little freaked out when somebody goes for a leg lock. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, for the most part, I, I don't even think about it anymore. You know, it used to be like you'd wake up and every day, oh, my knee hurts today. And now, you know, I'm coming home from the bulk food store, throwing that 50-pound bag of dog food over my shoulder and walking up the flight of stairs to my home, and I'm not even thinking about it. Cool. How long ago was your injury, now that you feel like you're 85 90% better? How long? I, I injured myself on uh, May 15th, uh, 2013. Okay. And... Uh, I had my surgery on July 31st, so it's it's been almost a full year. Okay, well that's that's sounds like you're healing up pretty good. That's encouraging. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it it you know when you get injured, it, it doesn't have to be life ending. Um, and you know, I would definitely recommend to anybody who gets injured that you try to keep your life as normal as you can. You know, like continue doing all of those things that you used to do. And you know, like even for me, when I was stuck on crutches, you know, you would have to start to be creative about things. Like you know, I had to tie a rope around my laundry basket to get it to the machine and stuff. But you know, go out with your friends and have dinner. You know, go to class three times a week. I still did, you know, on my crutches. I've just to wash the technique. Just try to keep it normal and and know that your life isn't over, you know? Yeah. <laughs> There's still plenty of stuff that you can do. That's that's good advice. And and I do like that. It's it's hard to go to class and, and watch, but it'll keep you in the you know, in the in the mode of learning jujitsu and, and that way you won't have not been for a long time when you come back. I mean, oh, yeah. It keeps you in the oh, habit yeah. of going to class. Keeps your habit up. Yeah. Keeps your habit of going to class on a regular basis up, you know, and it helps you mentally stay in the game because you're still learning and watching jujitsu. And, you know, it's, you get to be, you know, almost in a dark place where you just want to kind of lay in bed and feel sorry for yourself. Uh, but you can't do that, you know. You have to stay in the jiu-jitsu game and, and whatever you can do to, to keep you motivated, whether, you know, like I, I picked up a bunch of books on techniques. Um, I read a bunch of biographies. I kind of got inspired by uh, the UFC fighter Kat Sagano because she had busted her knee around the same time that I did. And so I tried to keep up with her. Just, you know, you have to be actively motivating yourself to move and try to get back to normal. That's good. If you had a, had a friend that had a similar injury and and it just happened just recently what advice would you give them about you know getting better getting through the surgery and and what they're about to face well um you know it's it's funny you ask that because i actually do have a friend who (laughs) just did the same thing yeah uh hers is totally military related she did in boot camp so you know what happens but, um, you know, I, basically what I, I told her is, is what I said, you know, it's going to be extremely tough, you know, like it's, it's going to be 
a dark place for a while. And the, the best you can do is just put your game face on and, and push through it and, and try to keep your life as normal as it was before you injured yourself. You know, like try to do those things that you used to do for yourself. Um, and, and even if you have to get clever about it, whether it's, you know, putting a chair in the kitchen so you can continue to cook or, you know, tying that rope around that laundry basket and, and just remind yourself that there are still things that you can do and still things that you love to do, whether that's for me, jujitsu, or, you know, for her, you know, it's her crafts and her hobbies. You can still do these things. You don't have to sit there and be sorry about what happened, you know, and also to kind of find a little bit of forgiveness because we, we tend to be really hard on ourselves, especially as, as people who love martial arts or those people in the military who really want to aspire to be the best. And, um, you know, you, you got to find a little bit of forgiveness and a little bit of leeway if you, you can't measure up the way you used to. You know, you, you have a very big obstacle to overcome. Yeah. And as long as you're putting one foot in front of the other, you're making progress. And um, that's all you can really ask of yourself is to make that progress. And, of course, I would warn her that uh, physical therapy is its own form of torture. And that you will <laughs> tap out to your <laughs> physical therapist more often than your favorite training partner. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh, and that's okay, you know. Like I said, just, just keep making progress, even in the physical therapy. <laughs> yeah. Being able to, to forgive yourself for not um, being able to make the same gains you had made earlier, that's, that's a good way to look at it because you're, you're not. And, you, and, and it's frustrating that you're not able – you know, if you didn't get injured – you know, two months after that injury, you would have been better at jiu-jitsu than you were, you know, on, on the crutches. So you need to be able to, to forgive yourself for, for taking um, a slower journey at that point in time and, and not, not get frustrated, not get upset, and just continue on. So I, I like that, oh, yeah. that attitude about being able to forgive yourself for, for the, the training that is, is a different standard now. Definitely, and and I've I've taken a lot of advice from from my coach, who um, throughout my journey just kept reminding me, it's you know this is a marathon, this isn't a sprint, yeah. it's a marathon. Take your time, take it easy, take the time that you need to get better, and and you know for me, <laughs> I had to forgive myself for for going at that slower pace, especially like you said, so hard to watch from the sidelines as as your training partners and your classmates get better and better while you're sitting there, you know. Um, and you just you got to take it easy, you know. I <laughs> I actually looked a lot into uh, you know these these Facebook pages and stuff like old man jujitsu oh, and, yeah. and how it is to train once you're you know over a certain age and and you know you kind of got to remind yourself that although you're hurt and or maybe you're older or whatever your you know whatever your current state is, you can still do this. That's absolutely correct. That's cool. Um, thank you for coming on here. This has been uh, motivating and, and uh, sharing your story about your, your knee injury and, and your your ideas and philosophies about overcoming that. That's been it's been very good. And I, I know you've helped some people and uh, get over their injuries, whether it be uh, the same or just uh, just a general jujitsu injury. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. All right, we've got Dusty Grant on the line with us. How are you in the day, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing great. We appreciate you taking time out to uh, talk to us uh, about your injuries. So uh, thank you. Yeah, no problem. I'm uh, happy to talk to you guys. I really dig the show. So Tell great. Thank you. 
We appreciate that. Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you train, how long you've been training, or any sort of background information you might want to give. Um, I've been training probably for about three and a half to four years. I uh, train at Fox Fitness BJJ under Jake Fox, who is an affiliate of Andre Montero. I believe you guys had Andre on the show before. Absolutely. Yes, we have. Great. And we've had Jake on the show also. So uh, That's right. Yep. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I got my blue belt a little over a year ago, and I've been uh, just working on that, trying to get trying to get better, trying not to get smashed by everybody. You get smashed a lot. You're one of the bigger guys in class, I believe. Yeah, but everyone's so much better than me. It, it makes <laughs> it a little bit, <laughs> makes it a little bit tricky. All right, so uh, let's get on to your injury. What uh, could you tell us what happened? Um, I had been training for I would say maybe three months. Um, so I decided to enter my and this is when I was a white belt. I was a, a total beginner. Um, I decided to enter a tournament in Edmond, Oklahoma. I went down there. I had a couple matches. I I won one, lost one, and then in my third match, um, I tore my ACL and my my medial meniscus completely through. Um, so I was so I was out of commission for quite a while there. Um, I was in a guy's half guard, and I was winning like eleven to two. I was trying to pass, and my foot got caught underneath. And then when I tried to move my leg. Uh, heard a pop and and that was it it was everything was snapped there so i just stayed inside control for the remainder of the match and and then i had to drop out of the key division obviously because i couldn't really couldn't really stand or walk or anything like that so did you know that you heard it when it happened or did you just think it popped um yeah i knew i knew something was wrong it was it was really strange like because when i played football before if you sprained something or you broke something you you kind of knew that it was a you know a serious injury, but I'd never torn something like that before. Um, so I felt a you know when I felt the pop, I knew I knew there was definitely something wrong because the stability of my leg and everything, you know, it felt really it felt really bizarre to me. I'd never you know never been through that before. And then after the match, when I got up and you know started walking around, and the you know the adrenaline kind of wears off, I I definitely knew there was something wrong, you know. Yeah, that's impressive. Uh, you even finished out the match and and won that match. Uh, you know, props to you there to to be able to fight through that. Yeah, I, I think it. I think it has a lot to do with just you know ignorance. Really, I was I was in a position where I was able to kind of muscle the guy, and he couldn't really move. And I didn't know if I had just you know I just minorly tweaked something, or you know I didn't. I guess I didn't really know the severity of what had happened you know, when it, when it actually happened. So, so then like what happened after that? Like you said, you, uh, uh, decided to, uh, uh, get out of the gi match or, you know, drop out of the, the gi portion of the tournament. Did you go home and go straight to the doctor or uh, it's probably the weekend. So you probably couldn't, or, or like what happened next? How did, you know, you know that it was really, really bad. Well, I, I, uh, you know, I, I, I knew there was definitely something wrong. Like I said, so I dropped out of the gi division um, I drove home. It was a tournament in Edmond, Oklahoma, which is by Oklahoma City, and I live in Wichita. So it was about a, you know, about a two-hour and fifteen, two-hour and twenty-minute drive. Um, by the time I got back, it was really swollen. Um, it was, I mean, it, I could definitely tell there was, you know, something, something seriously wrong by then. Um, you know, I walked it off for a couple days, 
just to see, you know, hey, maybe it's a sprain, whatever. And then after after a couple of days, I, you know, I, I definitely knew there was something that I needed to get looked at. Um, the initial doctor that I went to, who was, uh, you know, just like my family doctor, he pulled on it a little bit, did some x-rays, had me walk on it, and he didn't even tell me my ACL was torn or anything. He's like, you know, just just take it easy on it, and if it hurts, don't do it. And I was like, okay. And then a couple of days later, I was walking into a restaurant, and my knee, like, kind of slipped out of place or whatever, and I almost fell over. I'm like, yeah, there's definitely something not right here. So then I went to a specialist, and he pulled on it once, and he's like, oh, yeah, man, it's gone. You should probably not plan on doing anything for, you know, nine months to a year at least. So then I knew it was over with, and they did an MRI and confirmed it all. And then how, how long after that uh, till you actually had surgery? Um, I had surgery, I believe it was about two weeks after that. They, um, they drained my knee a couple times because it was so full of fluid. And they actually recommended that I get out and, you know, walk around a little bit on it to try and reduce some of the swelling before they operated on it because it was really swollen. Um, so it was about, it was about two weeks until I actually, until I actually had the surgery. And then after the surgery, uh, how long did it start, you know, for your rehab? Like what did your rehab consist of? I, I was really surprised with that. I had the surgery and then the next day they wanted to see me back. Um, and they, they took the, you know, they put like a, something on my leg, like a brace to stabilize it. And, uh, so they put the brace on there to stabilize it. The day after my surgery, I went in to the, you know, to the, the person that I was doing the rehab with and, uh, they took the brace off. Um, they, they started moving my leg like immediately. Um, when I, you know, when I first saw my leg after the surgery, I mean, I almost, I almost passed out because they, you know, they shave your leg completely. And I had like, I don't know, I had like 30 or 40 staples in my leg. I was just like, Ugh. I got, you know, I got kind of nauseous and didn't feel too great, but they started moving my leg the day after the surgery. And then, you know, from there it was, you know, doing a lot of like really basic stuff, just little things to flex your quads, uh, you know, little things just because they're all big. The biggest thing they told me is like, you want to, you want to get moving on it as much as you can without, you know, without hurting, you know, without hurting it right away. So I, I started, I started working on the rehab exercises and stuff pretty diligently, like within a couple of days of the surgery. How, how long were you out the altogether like from training yeah you know from um you know after after i was uh you know after i tore my acl i was i'd kind of like ridden jujitsu off you know i'm like man i've only been doing that for three months i'm a little bit older you know is it really worth it if this kind of stuff's gonna happen um so you know i went to the gym for a while and i was just lifting weights and and running my my whole rehab they told me i wouldn't be able to do jujitsu from the day of my surgery for for a full year. Okay. So I was, I was out for a full year. Um, and then I, I think I took another month to, you know, kind of try and get back in shape before I, I finally decided to go back to jujitsu. You know, I was like, yeah, I can't stay away from it. I'm just going to keep training. So, so you, yeah, you, it, was, it was a full year. Do you have any effects still today that you notice on your knee? Um, really every once in a while, it'll be a little bit stiff. Um, but you know, be completely honest. I, I, it feels great. I mean, I don't, 
I don't worry about it. Um, you know, I, I think it's, I think it all has, it has a lot to do with, you know, the, the diligence of the rehab. You know, if you're, if you're pretty dedicated to that, I think you, I think you can get back to 100%. I, I know there was people I was in rehab with that weren't as stringent with the exercises as I was, and they were substantially behind me as far as progressing and being able to use it, you know, normally. I don't have any, I mean, other than a feeling stiff from time to time, I really don't have any problems with it at all. That's good to I hear. I guess where, where I've got the I've got a screw in my tibia where they connected the the tendon in my tibia, and that that gets a little tender from time to time, but it's nothing that you know would keep me from training or you know keep me from any kind of physical activity at all. So yeah, it's it's great. The guys the guy did a great job. Let's say uh, one of your training partners uh, did the same thing today. What would you tell your training partner to, uh, you know, comfort him and, you know, tell him, you know, to uh, how to get on the match as quick as possible? I, the first thing I would say is to try not to get, you know, try not to get down. I mean, I, I was I was really depressed, you know. I was a pretty active guy um, to have somebody to tell you, you know, man, you're not going to be, you're not going to be full strength for nine to 12 months. That's That's kind of a it's kind of a bummer. So the first thing I would say is, you know, try and try and stay positive. You know, it it's going to take some time, but you're going to get back to, you know, to where you can kind of train full bore again. And then the next thing I would say is, you know, listen to what the orthopedic tells you, listen to what the physical therapist tells you, do your exercises, you know, go above and beyond to, to do your exercises and get back because it, it really does pay off. I like that. Go above and beyond, uh, and you know, hard work pays off. Yeah, there, there. I mean, there was there were guys like, and people are like, you know, jiu-jitsu is so dangerous. Like, I can't believe you're doing that dangerous sport. Well, there was a lady in rehab with me. You know, you had like four or five people in your rehab with you doing stuff, and there was a lady in there with me, and she got excited about one of her contestants winning on American Idol. <laughs> she, ju- she, ju- she jumped off her couch like excited and blew out her knee. So I'm like, I'm like yeah, how dangerous is this? It's, it's, it's about as dangerous as watching American Idol, I guess. You know? <laughs> or, <laughs> it can happen to anybody, you know? Or it could go to a, like a local concert and get excited and jump up and down. Which uh, Yeah. Hey, uh, tell us a little bit about your band real quick. Um, I've been in a band here in Wichita called Empire Falling. Um, it's like a like a hard rock type metal band. You know, we've played some regional gigs and we've played played a couple big shows here in town. But uh, you know, we're a we're a local band, just just trying to get our stuff out there. And we've been uh, been together for about a year, so it's been been going pretty good, and it's it's a great deal of fun. And you're you're uh, sending a song our way. We're going to play it on the outro of the of the podcast here for the people to hear. So we appreciate that. Yes. Yep. I will definitely send it over to you guys. Um, you know, we're, I'm a, I'm a big supporter of the show and, and the fact that I had an opportunity to come on is, is awesome. I can't wait to, you know, I can't wait to check it out. It's, it's really cool to be on with you guys. So I, I really appreciate that. What's the name of the song? Uh, the song is called guilty. You can, uh, you know, you can buy it on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google play, Pretty much any any digital media outlet that you want to. Um, the, the, again, it's Empire Falling Guilty. Uh, if you want to check us out on Facebook, it's uh, facebook.com slash Empire Falling. So. 
And I can tell you, I've been to a couple of their concerts, I've, and they put on a great show. And uh, seeing Dusty out there uh, just command the stage is always a good time. Yes, it definitely uh, it definitely is. It gives us a chance to you know get out there and get out there and get a little crazy, blow off some steam from the uh, the monotony of everyday life. That's for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for sharing your story with us. Uh, we look forward to, to getting this out to the people and help uh, people that have knee injuries. Thank you, Dusty. All right. Yeah, no problem. Thanks a lot, guys. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Well, that wraps up part one of our two-part uh, injury stories episodes. Um, I learned a lot from these people, Gary. Oh, yeah, I did too. You know, uh, some very inspirational people, uh, just unbelievable injuries they've had and fought back from. And like you said, we've learned some, you know, great advice that this happens to us, happens to any of our teammates, happens to any of our friends. Uh, we should be able to help them out and give them some advice and tips. Yeah, I, I can remember many times somebody said, oh, I'm going to have to have this surgery. Like, oh, man, that sounds terrible. You know, I'm sorry you have to do that. But, I, you know, it's it's good to sit to to talk with somebody about the actual experience. That way now I know what that person is going to be going through. Um, you know, you can't really know unless you do it, but I, I know more what it's going to be like for their healing process, for the surgery, the and, and, and just the road they're going to have to travel. Yeah, and I think one of the big things, too, is a lot of the doctors don't realize how much, when you start doing jiu-jitsu, how, how much it takes over your life. And, and with some of these injuries, the first thing they say is, you're never going to do this again. And, uh, you know, it's inspirational to you know, hear these stories that, you know, it seems like a lot of people have been told that and Hey, you know, let's rehab it. Let's get back to where we were at before and let's get back on the mats and train safely. So it's kind of, uh, makes you realize that just cause if the doctor tells you, no, we can still do it. Yeah. You've got to, you've got to be safe about it, but, um, given enough time, you get back on the mats, guys. Yeah. And that's the nice thing is just, you see people who are told no and are back on the mats winning tournaments or, or just training for, for a hobby and fun. Yep. All right, guys, we'll catch you next week. We've got the same thing. Um, swing by and like our Facebook page and, and definitely uh, enter in the contest for the for the uh, Rash Guard giveaway. We're giving away either a Robo or Moco, your choice, uh, Rash Guard. Um, it, it'll be given away over the uh, next four, next three episodes, four total. So, swing yep, by so and yeah, in definitely uh, check that out, and also check out you know Fuji Sports, who's uh, who are nice enough to donate one of these rash guards to one of our listeners. So check out FujiSports.com. Great rash guards, as everybody knows, great geese, great uh, t-shirts, uh, great bags, great uh, grappling shorts. So uh, check them out and uh, and uh, basically uh, buy something if you need something. They'll they'll take care of you. Yep, the high quality and and very good prices. If you want to send us an article or uh, a quote of the week, feel free. Our email is bgdaybrick at gmail.com, and we'll be happy to hear from you. Any comment you have about the show means a lot for us. Thank you for listening. Yep, we'll catch you next week, my friends. Whoa, hey, Gary, cut the music. We have uh, Dusty Grant going to play us out today, uh, Empire Falling here. The song is called Guilty. You can find it in iTunes. And uh, basically anywhere online. I'll I'll put a link to the uh, band's uh, Facebook page on the uh, show notes. Empire Falling. Guilty. Here we go.